Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience in Allen, Texas, or at church1132.com. I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 28. My beautiful wife is here. Thank God. She had not seen the building yet and, and, and whatnot, so she's here. I found that when she's with me, I preach better and I preach shorter. Hashtag date night. Come on, somebody. Y'all don't need to know anything else other than that right there. It's Valentine's, y'all. You know how we talk and stuff. Acts chapter 28. If you're ready for the word, say yes. One through six. Now when they had escaped, then they found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened onto his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Last verse. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, huh? they changed their minds and said, he must be a God. It is my assignment tonight, very briefly. God told me to tell you that everything that you're going to go through, Everything that you're going to be a part of, God says, just know no matter what stage you are in life, everything will happen all around the fire. Just touch your neighbor and say, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen around the fire. Touch your other neighbor and say, other neighbor, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen all around the fire. Let's pray one last time. Father, I thank you for your word. Speak now, God. I pray, Lord, that this word would be seared into our spirits. Elevate somebody tonight, God. Move somebody. Help somebody understand what life has been throwing at them. God, I pray let your voice be heard. Let tragedy be turned to triumph. God, I pray victory in this room. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, somebody say amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. If there's anything I think you have to understand tonight, that like the gospel, faith has two sides. That faith on one side is a very prominent thing. That at the moment of conversion, your faith is first glamorous. Yes, faith is glamorous. At the moment of conversion, it is a glamorous thing. It is a glamorous thing to see the addict set free. It's a glamorous thing to watch those who were depressed find joy unspeakable and full of glory. It is a glamorous thing to watch those who were down and out find the peace of God that passes all understand. It is a glamorous thing at conversion. I don't know about you, but it takes me back to the day that he saved me. To know what I looked like, sounded like, and was doing before he got a hold of me. And to know that at the end of the day, what he did for me was more than what any person could do for me. Or what Facebook could do for me. He saved me. I wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight that would say, I am thankful for the day he saved me. 
No, no, no. I'm looking for some real people who don't care what people think about them that would say, I know what I was like before he found me and he saved me. Oh, I I would still be addicted. I would still be a mess. I would still be in trouble. I would still be angry. I would still be bitter. I'd still be suicidal. But just when it looked like it couldn't get any worse, he came in and he saved me. See, I like being around people that don't forget where they came from. I like being around believers that say, I don't care. It doesn't matter how big I get, no matter how lofty I am in my faith. I will never forget the day that he found me and not just found me, but he saved me. When you see me shouting and dancing and praising God, I am not thinking about what you think about me. I am thinking about the day he found me and rescued me and saved me. He is a saving God. And the beauty about him, that if the fact that he saved me means that there is potential for him to still save somebody else. You want judgment to fall off you? Always remember how he saved you. Religion will fall off you when you keep remembering that he saved you. Because some of us weren't worthy. Y'all ain't saying a word to me. Some of us weren't worthy of being saved. We shouldn't have been saved. He shouldn't have even blinked an eye at us. And when people walked away from us and people said there wasn't nothing good about you, he still saw potential in you and he saved you. He saved you. That is the glamorous side of faith. The fact that he saved me despite me. But tonight I didn't come to talk to you about that side of faith. I came to talk to you about the side of faith that nobody wants to talk about. I came to talk to you about the other side of the coin. Because at salvation he saved me from. But just please know in this room that not only did he save you from, he has also saved you for. That that, that salvation was only the beginning of your walk with God. That salvation was only the start of your walk with God. That he didn't just save you from your sin. Saving you from your sin was only because he had purpose and destiny and a great plan for your life. He has saved me for. And because he saved me for. That means there is a side to faith that isn't as glamorous as my conversion. Because it is foolish to think that I could switch teams, change dance partners, jump to the other side, and never find myself in any type of trouble. Because on the other side of your faith is a little word that every believer must become acquainted with called trouble. And until you know how to navigate trouble, you will limit how deep you go in God. Those who do great exploits for the kingdom of God are those who not only go through trouble, but go through trouble to the place where if they have to go through trouble again... They can handle it. The kind of people that do great works are resilient people that can take a hit and keep on moving. That can take a hit from the enemy and square their shoulders and say, though the righteous man falls seven times, he gets back 
up again. If I got anybody in this room that says, take your best shot, devil, I know who is in me. Give him praise right now. Trouble, trouble, trouble. Every person in this room, no matter where you are in your faith, if you have given your life to Jesus, will encounter trouble. Trouble is necessary because in the kingdom of God, trouble isn't really trouble. In the classroom of destiny, in the classroom of purpose, in the chorus called the kingdom, trouble is God's greatest professor. Are you hearing me in this room? When God gets in your life, please understand, he does not author trouble, but he will allow trouble to teach you what you don't know about you and what you don't know about God. Because if we were really real tonight in this room, there are some things that you only learn by going through something you didn't want to go through. <laughs> there are some things that you learned about God because of a divorce. And there are some things you learned about you because of depression. Y'all ain't saying a word to me. There are some things that you only got a hold of in principle and that was abstract because of trouble. Trouble is God's greatest professor. But here's what I want you to know, that the enemy wants you to keep your eyes on trouble. But God says this, get your eyes off trouble and get your eyes on me because I am a present help. In trouble, God says, if you would just look at me, I will navigate the trouble for you to get you to your purpose. That's why David would say things like this. David understood that while God wants us to take, God wants to take us from glory to glory, that in between glory to glory, there's often valley. That you would never know the height of the mountain without seeing the depth of the valley. But here's what I know about David. David said, I know God wants to take me to glory to glory. But yea, though I walk. That's what, that's what God wants you to do when you go through trouble. He wants you to keep walking. Sometimes the greatest punch you can throw at the devil is when he wants you to live in what you've been called to walk through. And every once in a while, if you want to give the devil a black eye, you just got to put one foot in front of the other, in front of the other, in front of the other, and let that devil know greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And if God be for me, who can be against me? If you believe it, give him praise right now. Oh, I feel hell getting nervous tonight. I feel every demon getting ready to hit the door because there are some people that finally understand it, that what i am been through is not where I'm called to live. I'm not supposed to be a victim my whole life. I'm not supposed to be depressed my entire life. He is calling me. David said, I have learned to walk through a valley, not live in one. <laughs> because the real call of God is not glory to valley, it is glory to glory. <laughs> Pastor Josh, why would you take some time here to talk about trouble? Because this, my friends, is the backdrop of our text. The Apostle Paul is a man acquainted with great glory. But because he is acquainted with great glory, 
he is also acquainted with great trouble. No, no, no. If you think you can separate glory from valley, you are mistaken in this room. Uh, the Apostle Paul is the man that knows the third heaven. He knows higher dimensions. The Apostle Paul is the man that knows miracles, signs, and wonders. He knows the Damascus Road experience. But watch this. He also knows prison cells. Y'all ain't saying nothing. He also knows what it's like to be stoned and beaten for the level of the glory God has called him to. He has also had the same level of trouble. Are you resisting the very trouble God has allowed to produce the next level of glory in your life? You would think the Apostle Paul, if anybody could get an exemption for trouble at the end of his life here in Acts 28, anybody that deserves the ability to get, a, get out of trouble free card would be the Apostle Paul. But God says you're not finished. And because you're not finished, there is still a fight. That's why he would say things like, I have fought the good fight of faith. Because here's what you need to know. If you ever run out of fights, you've probably run out of destiny. Let me tell you what life really looks like if you want to be anointed. It's going to be fight after fight. After fight, it's going to be that. But this is what God promises you, is that you will never fight alone. No, no, no. Did you hear what I just said? You will never fight by yourself. You are never going to fight on just, with just you in your corner. God says, because here's the deal. When you choose the fight, the fight I've called you to of your faith, God says, I will give you the armor of God. Oh, that means he doesn't give you your armor. He says, if you're going to fight my battles, you get to fight with my armor. And let me tell you something about God's armor. He is undefeated. He has never lost. He has never been put under. He has never seen a three count. They tried to put him in a grave, and three days later, he got back up again because he knew the fights. The apostle Paul is getting ready for his greatest moment of glory. Therefore... He is also preparing for his greatest dealing with trouble. And on the way to his greatest moment, he is shipwrecked. Let me tell you, proximity and pain go hand in hand when it comes to purpose. My wife and I, we've been, you know, Working on babies. Amen. And one of the things that they're telling me about childbirth and stuff <laughs> is that, watch this, the, the closer the baby comes, the greater the pain. Watch this. Not just the greater the pain, the more frequency of pain. It is the sign that you are close to the birth. Mm, are you hearing what I'm telling you? 
So for every person in this room that's going through a great fight and you've been going through a lot of pain and you've been getting hit from one thing and another thing and another thing, if you would really pay attention, God is trying to tell you, I've got a blessing right around the corner. I've got something I'm trying to get into your hands. i got something that God has just for you. If you believe it, give him praise right now. I'm telling you, somebody believes what I just said. Somebody better get ready because the devil thought he had you, but God is about to bless you and bless you and bless you, and you are about to embarrass hell because of the blessing of the Lord on your life. Be seated. Let me, let me keep moving. All of a sudden, the apostle Paul is shipwrecked. He is out there. Everyone around him is drowning, and here he comes just finding a piece of the ship to hang on to. And he makes it. I can preach right there. Have you ever just made it? Have, have, you, have you ever been in a place where everybody around you is falling apart, losing their mind, losing their marriage, losing their family, but yet something in you won't let you die? Something in you says, no, you got to keep going. And sometimes you don't have all of God, but there's this little piece of the ship, the relationship that you still have, that if you can hang on to it, it will guarantee your victory. He pulls himself up. He just made it, pulls himself up on the shore. And he is greeted by point one tonight. He is greeted by, ready for this, note takers? The provision of God. The provision of God. Because the text says that as he pulls himself up onto the shore, he is greeted by a fire that he didn't build. Oh, are you hearing me? Because sometimes God will allow affliction to give you a revelation of his provision. Let me say that again. Sometimes God will allow affliction to give you a fresh revelation of his provision. Let me put that in your world. Sometimes you don't know what he's doing until you run out of what you have. Sometimes God will let you go empty just, to, just so you realize that they aren't your source. He is in your source. She is in your source. That job is in your source. That thing around you ain't your source. That family ain't your source. Sometimes God will cut everything out just to let you know that you wouldn't make it without him. You wouldn't breathe without him. You wouldn't have anything save him providing for you. Do you realize how powerful and prolific the provision of God is in your life? Do you realize that you drove up here on this campus in God's provision? Those clothes on your back are God's provision. That meal you ate before church is God's provision. <laughs> that coffee you're drinking is God's provision. Mm -hmm. let, let me take it one step further. That breath you just breathed is God's provision. And let me tell you where I get frustrated as a preacher is to know that he works so good and he gets such little credit. It is shocking how good he works and how little praise he gets. And if I was God, which I'm not, I would, I would cut you off. 
You better be glad I'm not God. But isn't that what we do to people? That when they don't give us what we want from them, we simply cut them off. We stop the flow of resources, love, grace, mercy, as soon as we realize that they ain't giving back on the level that we gave to them. But aren't you glad tonight that the God we serve, despite what little worship he gets and despite what little praise he gets for being all-sufficient and almighty, though he, though we don't give him enough, it does not stop him from giving back towards us. If you're thankful for a God that provides for you, you ought to give him praise right now for every ounce of provision. No, 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 I'm talking about a real praise that you're thankful for everything you have. Every ounce of clothing, every ounce of the house, every ounce. I am thankful for your provision. The provision of God. Can I take it a step further? God, in our text, provides for Paul. But watch the part of the text that comes after because it it implies that, watch this, that though God provided it, Paul was in charge of maintaining it. Because the text says that he started gathering sticks for the fire. If your fire ever runs out, it's not lack of God's provision. It's lack of maintenance by you. That's why every service matters and every worship set matters because God will give you fuel for your fire in every service. He'll give you a song. He'll give you a lyric. He'll give you a preached word. He'll give you a sermon. And he says, take that stick and throw it on the fire. He said, take that stick and put it on the fire. And every service is nothing more than a stick to keep the fuel on the fire. Yeah, that's what I'm doing during worship. You think I got my hands up. I'm just grabbing the next stick for the fire. You, you, you think I'm going a little crazy and getting a little radical, but I'm just throwing fire on the fire. Huh? You think that I'm going a little overboard and it's a little too much, but you don't know what my week looked like and what, what it did to my fire. I don't want, and I don't care if your fire runs out or your fire runs out. My fire will not fade because he has given me the fuel for the fire. If you believe it, give him praise right now. In fact, why don't you take 10 seconds right here and grab some sticks and grab some worship and grab some presents and fuel your fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't look at me strange. Don't think I'm weird. I am just fueling the fire he provided. I'll be seated. Be seated. I feel the anointing of God in this room. Oh, I feel the anointing. So watch this. So before you blame the church. And before you blame the pastor. And before you get mad at leaders. Please make sure that you have grabbed every stick. And put it on the fire. Paul is adding to what God has provided, gathering stick by stick. But the text took a turn because all of a sudden in the middle of gathering what he needed, he got something he didn't want. 
always be careful when you're gathering sticks. Because as much as God wants you to have the stick, the enemy wants you to get the snake. That's why every time you start getting really on fire for God, the enemy will always throw a snake in the sticks. Let me, let me give you a Bible before I really preach this. Let me give you a Bible. Jesus is gathering 12 and gets Judas. And some of you wonder how life goes crazy and why this all of a sudden went weird and how my relationship with God went off guard and how all of a sudden everything changed. It's because you didn't have enough discernment to discover what was stick and what was snake in your life. And I know what some of you are asking in this room. Well, Pastor Josh, how do I discover what is stick and what is snake? Get it around the fire and you'll find out. Oh, I feel like preaching right here. I feel like preaching right here. Because if you want to know who they really are, get it out of the dark. If you want to know what kind of person he'll really be, get that relationship out of the dark. Get that friendship out of the dark places. And when you get that out of the fire, oh, when you get that near the fire, you will figure out what is stick and what is snake. Ladies, let me give you, it's almost Valentine's Day. Let me give you relationship advice right here. If you want to know who he really is, get him near the fire. Because, because watch this. Here's what I've learned. If you want to know if he's really a snake, watch what happens when you put snakes around fire. Let, let me make it real. Get him in a Holy Ghost, spirit-filled, charismatic, Pentecostal service. And let that Holy Ghost drop right there in the middle of service. And if he starts squirming, he is no stick. He is a snake. Because you don't have time in your life to be hanging out and dating and marrying some snakes. you got to get some sticks in your life that will take you to where God called you. If you believe it, give him praise right now. All of a sudden, when Paul begins to take what was in the dark to the light, there is a revelation that something here does not belong. If you want to be my friend, come to church with me. If you want to hang out, come to the altar with me. If we want to get close and intimate like that, then you better be able to worship and get intimate like that too. You will never go wrong pulling that into the light. Which leads me to point two. Because Paul gets bit by the snake. And as much as I was thankful for, by point number one, the provision of God, I am equally grateful for point number two, the protection of God. Mm. Because there are some car accidents that had my name on it. Where are all my real people at? There are some scenarios and some traps and some things that the enemy had for you that you survived, that killed your friends but didn't kill you. It took out your family, but it didn't take you out. Thank God for the protection of God. Oh, see, see, 
I could bring somebody in from this side who had the provision of God and they would dance and shout and give God praise. And I could bring somebody in from this side who is thankful for the protection of God and they would outshout the person with provision because you had to go through some things and had to fight some things and realize that he is for me and not against me. That he had my back when people didn't. I wonder if I have anybody in this room tonight that's thankful for the protection of God. If you're thankful for the protection of God, give him some praise right now. You should be messed up. You should be addicted. You should be in a crazy house somewhere. But he protected you. Let, let, me, let me bring this into reality, not just spirituality. When I first started traveling, started getting a little bit of following to my ministry, what, something happened. Uh, a lady from our church in North Carolina came to me one Sunday, and she said, Pastor Josh, I really need to speak with you. She said, something has happened. I said, what's wrong? She said, I took a picture of you, and I posted it to the Internet. She said, when I went back and checked on the photo, I realized that there was a Witches and Warlocks website that grabbed your photo and put it on their site. She said, I realized that within the next couple days that it had gone viral to these Witches and Warlocks website and was on nearly 8,000 websites. They were saying, pray against him. Let's cast hexes and curses towards him. Let's go ahead and work our stuff against this guy. We feel like he might do some damage to the work of darkness. She asked me, she said, Pastor Josh, I'm worried, I'm scared. Are you? I said, um, no, ma'am, I am not worried. I said, let them throw cat urine up underneath of my door. Let them burn stuff on my doorstep. Let them try to work their hex and work their root. Do they not know I have a root too? I got the root of Jesse and the seed of Abraham. I've got God's blood and his protection over my life. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. If you believe it, give him praise right now. Yeah, 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 cast your spell. It ain't going to work. Go ahead and throw your hex. I got the blood. Everything you throw at me, Mike, you might be able to form it, but it will not prosper in my life. And if God would do it for this preacher, certainly his protection would be extended to you. Now, I know what some of you are thinking in the back of your mind, all you deep folk. Didn't you say that Paul got bit? How was that protection if Paul got bit. Are you ready? Because some of you have confused the proximity with the prosperity of the bite. I got hit. Paul got bit. But this is the protection of God. Not that God didn't stop the bite. He just didn't let the venom kill him. See, see, some of you are saying God didn't really protect me because it came close to me. But it's not about the proximity of the, oh, are you hearing me? It is about the prosperity of the bite. See, sometimes God will let you get hit, and, but he won't let the venom kill you to prove that he is greater than anything that the enemy can throw at you. That he is bigger than any bite the enemy can have. That's the people that impress me in church, are the people that can get big. 
bit and still come on a Sunday night. Get bit and still worship and praise God. Get bit and still dance and say hallelujah. If you believe it, give him praise right now. I am not oppressed by religious people because I am, rep- I am impressed with the folks that have come in tonight with a serpent hanging from your arm. And you're still praising God, and you're still serving, and you're still worshiping, and you're still saying amen, and you're still standing in response to the word to let that devil know no weapon formed against me shall prosper in my life. Paul is bit. See, I'm talking to some people tonight that have gotten hit and bit by something of the enemy. Do not think it unusual or unnormal to get bit every once in a while. It is the cost of serving God. But the beauty is not only will he provide, he will protect. And when I read this, I'm finishing. When I read this, I got frustrated with the text. Because I thought, God, it's one thing for Paul to have gotten bit in private. But you let him get, di- you let him get bitten in public. What do you do? When God puts your pain on a platform. Somebody can come to the keys. I feel the anointing of God right here. What do you do? Oh, hallelujah. When you don't get bitten in places where you can manage it and hide it and keep it from people and keep it from family. But but God lets you get bit in a public place. In front of everybody, everybody knows my trouble. Everybody knows the popular me, and now everybody knows the embarrassed me. Everybody can see the serpent hanging from my arm. I ask God, God, why would you let that kind of pain go public? Because this is what I want you to understand about your trouble, is that your trouble is never about you. That what you go through is never about you. You, because what we don't know in this text and what we have failed and forgotten to see are the barbarians waiting to see what would happen to a man who has been bitten by a snake. Whether you know it or not right now, there are people watching to see. How will you handle the trouble? How will you handle the bite on your life? What will you do with the snake that's hanging off your arm? See, they can't see God. And they can't see your faith. But they can see your trouble. So God lets it go public. Just so watch this. Number three, it can create perseverance in you. That's what you have to do some Sundays. That's what you have to do is persevere. Keep pushing. Keep standing. 
Keep praising. Keep worshiping. Despite a doctor's report, despite what people say, I'm going to stand here and let the devil know this. By I will outlast this bite. I will outlast this trouble. You can say what you want to, but I'm still going to give him glory, even if it means i got to do it with a snake on my arm. See, when you get a report, from doctors that say, well, we don't know if you'll ever have kids. And you get hit. And then you say, God, now I got to stand in front of thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And then you got to let my trouble go on a platform. God, why would you do it until you realize he is working all things. for my good because there is a moment in the text I'm done where God says Paul you have endured you have persevered I want you now to shake Uh, are you hearing what I'm telling you there is a moment where God gives you a chance to shake the snake And when God gives you a moment to shake the snake, what he's really giving you a moment to do is embarrass the devil on his own playing field. Let me tell you what real victory looks like when you can stand up and say, I couldn't do it. The devil didn't want me to have it, but God gave it to me anyway because he is good. Stand to your feet all across this room. provision of God, the protection of God, the perseverance of you. But tonight, I came for the last one, which is simply this, that while all this is happening with Paul, those same barbarians are standing to see what's really going to happen. And when they saw Paul persevere, watch this, number four, it changed their perspective about God. Their perspective changed. They went from calling him a murderer to this man must be a God. And we know the Apostle Paul well, well enough to know that he would say, I am not God, but I serve the Most High God. See, see what you're facing right now and all the pain that you're is because there are eyes on you. Your co-workers are watching. Your unsaved daddy's trying to figure it out. Your friends that have been wondering about this faith thing, this church 1132 thing, this movement thing, this young adults thing, the people that are wanting to see, is it for real? Is it really, really real? Let me tell you, God has given them a front row seat to your trouble. And if you can handle your trouble, watch this, God will change their perspective. In fact, I prophesy that over this this house. For all that you've been through and all that you've been fighting, God said he's going to shift the pain into harvest for this house. And so I said all that to get here. 
I looked at this text and saw provision. I saw protection. I saw perseverance. And I saw perspective. But there is a backdrop, a centerpiece to this text. That no matter what stage Paul was in, everything that happened in this text happened around the fire. I came tonight to tell you that if you want to make it through trouble, get near the fire. If you want to make it through all the stuff that you're facing, you will not be able to make it without being near the fire of God. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.